0: This is episode number 229 with Aman Asadi of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent
1: on learning? It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help.
0: and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey, fellow founders, hope you're having a great day wherever you are around the world. Thank you so much for taking the time to share earbuds with me. My name is Nathan Chan. I'm the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine and also the host of the Founder Podcast. So if you are new to this podcast, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs in the world and of our generation to really find out what it takes to build and grow a successful business so you can learn from them, learn from their mistakes, learn from their experiences, learn from their lessons. And uh, today's founder is like, He's incredible. His name's Aman Asadi, and he's the co-founder of a company called Project Evo. Now, I met Arman actually through Neil Patel, and um, I said to Neil, like, oh, we're looking for a great copywriter um, to, to teach uh, our copywriting course. And Neil said, the best I've ever worked with is Aman," And... I was like, okay, let's let's look into this guy. And not only is Aman an exceptional copywriter and he's been behind 11 seven-figure launches, he also is a legit founder. And he has his own company called Project Evo. And their journal has actually become the most funded journal, like crowdfunded journal ever. And how do you think he does that? He does that through the power of copy, through the power of words, and he teaches all of this crazy stuff in this course we're releasing with him, and it goes live next week. So if you want to know more, make sure you go to founder.com forward slash copywriting. I'm so excited to share this with you guys. I'm so excited for you guys to hear Aman and his story. He's got a crazy story. Uh, He used to work at Google. Incredible guy. This, there's tons. You're going to love this episode. So that's it from me, guys. If you are enjoying the show, please do take the time to leave us a review. It helps us big time. And if you do, after you listen to this podcast and go, "Wow, well, I want to learn from more from man, I want to get better at copy because I see how powerful it is now. Because um, a lot of you guys have said to us, you want to get better at copy. Um, and copywriting, and be able to do it yourself or get someone in your team to do it. Um, go to founder.com forward slash copywriting. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now, show them the show. So, the first question that I ask everyone that comes on is uh, How did you get your job?
1: My job, my job. Mm, I have worked so hard to not define what I am doing as a job. So I actually find that, that question to be super fascinating, man. Um, I mean, by definition, when you look at job, it's, it's really this trade and uh, almost like a term of employment. And for me, I really look at everything that I'm doing so holistically. And I look at everything that I'm doing as a sort of, uh, Ultimately, I would define it more as my my craft, my craft and life. Uh, but when it comes to an actual job, shit man, I, I really built it from the ground up. like I designed and architected and engineered every little brick that goes into this building um, that I define as a job, and it's because I really felt like there was no other way. I, I was ultimately left with a choiceless choice of having to build. A career around these components of who I truly am and what I do best. And I just could not see any other way forward as far as that's how I am now, how I got here. And that process never ends, but I've had some actual job jobs in the past. And, um, I think that was the moments with my back against the wall, realizing like, how the hell am I supposed to fit myself into these roles Uh, that I didn't actually configure and choose for myself, or at least the employer didn't configure and build around me. Um, and so I just had to, man, I had to, I think that's how I've gotten here. And I don't think that journey will ever, will ever stop because every single day, uh, what I do best and the role I'm supposed to be playing in in my company that I'm building changes uh, every single day. So, but I find that question fascinating. Asking founders that <laughs> there's some deep psychology behind that question. Nathan. you really start to see like how people define the word job too. So uh, kudos on that one.
0: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. So so tell us like um, you know you 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 run this amazing company called Project Evo, and I really want to talk about that a bit more. But um, you know, how did it all start, man? Because because be before Evo, it seems like from from what I've gathered, uh, you did a lot of freelancing and we were a digital nomad and, and uh, you know, from, from what I can find out, um, you've done quite a few things. So take, take me back, man, like um, what was your first foray into business and uh, yeah, how, how'd you build up to, to, to where you are today? Yeah.
1: Today, as far as, you know, I I like to talk about things in the context of the present because I I think it really helps to give people a a sort of clear understanding of how you got there. You know, today I, someone says, what do you do? Um, My most recent answer is I help entrepreneurs and creatives find their flow. And depending on who I talk to, I change out the who uh, like entrepreneurs or creatives or leaders or executives. But ultimately what I do is I, I help people find flow. Uh, find their flow and how they uniquely define it. And that's what we do at Project Evo. But yeah, man, where I started was a completely uh, different place. I started in a place of uh, where, where I just hit a, a crisis of meaning. And uh, I was an employee working at Google. And um, I really attained what I, a moment of hitting a point in my life where I thought, is this all there is? Like, is this truly what it comes down to, to work at what was still and at that time definitely for sure um, one of the best companies in the world to work for, consistently rated one of the best places to work in the world. I had you know everything for me, and I finally had to make a decision that no, this isn't this isn't going to work. Like there's more to me, there's more for me, and there's sort of a lot of energy within that was not able to be expressed, and when it was expressed, it was met with not now, not here. This is not the place for that. So I very much felt like I was just stuck in a box. So I became, uh, I, I, sort of, actually what I really did was I quit and I flew to Cuba. <laughs> and, uh, like we were talking about before these trips that give you clarity, um, I, I pretty much went on a sabbatical, a short one, but I completely disconnected myself, went to Cuba. And after that trip decided I was going to become a solopreneur, And, um, I decided I was going to document that process and write about that process. I started a blog around solopreneurship and I pretty much did whatever it took to make money, to be free. Like my primary driver and the first value that I was really looking at was freedom I mean, at that time, I even remember like I, I sort of coined the whole thing like solopreneurship and the freedom lifestyle. I was so obsessed with this idea of freedom because I felt like I'd been shackled, you know, in these shackles. And so that was my primary driver for a long time. I, I developed my own information products. I, I did consulting and freelancing. I really did whatever it took to sort of do two things. One, build my skill set and begin to understand what I could actually do independently that provided other people value and two, exercise my ability to connect with other people because I am very much like a natural connector. Um, and, and the way that I build these relationships is, is from such a genuine place that it's, I really only build relationships with people that I find interesting and that I want to be friends with. And so that generally leads to a 10 X outcome with the relationship because I'm never asking for shit. Like it just kind of happens. We're just you know, friends that want to help each other. And so I really focused my my life and my career and my craft around those two areas. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I got into consulting. i I then found a sweet spot in copywriting where I really began to make a name for myself. Um and that sort of honestly happened on accident. Uh, it, it just sort of came to be, actually,
0: yeah, that's interesting. So, so you went to Cuba, you started this blog just around freedom and solopreneurship, and like um, like what, what were you doing at Google?
1: At Google, initially I was uh, – first I started on the Gmail team. I was an account uh, executive, and uh, then I switched over to Google Offers, which was at that time the Groupon competitor and the division that was trying to buy Groupon but got denied, um, and I was a little bit involved with Google Wallet uh, for a short stint, but then really focused on this Google offers piece and sort of played like a project manager role um, and helped to pilot and build out our online channel for all uh, online offers that we were making with Google offers because we had the in-person sort of like, you know, hey, go to the store and get 10 off of 20 at this Froyo place. And then we really started to scale with like, national brands like Armani Exchange and Lucky and you know some some online brands as well and so that was that was really my gig was focusing on national online brands and so doing a lot of like relationship building but then it kind of pivoted into this sort of project manager role which actually was really really good for me because I came I became a little bit more technical and I got to work around like legal and operations and uh, even got to kind of
0: like connect with engineers at Google which are really the smartest people at Google. <laughs> you know? Yeah and um you said that uh like it sounded it sound like a great gig like what what why wasn't it enough
1: yeah good question man i think that that is such a multi variable um scenario and and issue that led to why it wasn't enough and it's really difficult to pinpoint it down on one thing and give a simple answer and you'll definitely find a common theme as we're talking that i just pretty much don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't have favorites or single defining points for things. I think that everything is a little bit sometimes complex. And when you take all the different variables into account, that's when you can actually begin to to find the real answer behind things. But yeah, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on in the organization. Uh, there was a lot of outside people coming in and sort of uh, creating a new culture that was a little bit outside of what the Google culture was intended to be. So because it, it, it was really a new company, um, within, uh, the overall company. And like, for example, on some of the more, uh, you know, legacy and, uh, old school products that Google has, the culture is very much, I don't want to say fixed, but it's in place, you know, the Gmail team, Google apps. I was really kind of, you know, on the broader Google apps team, but with a product like Google offers where you guys, you know, you're pioneering something, it took a lot of hiring. And so there's a lot of chaos of trying to figure things out. Um, and I think ultimately what happened for me was that, um, my initial manager was amazing and the person I was working with and reporting to was amazing. And then eventually I worked with someone that just didn't, I didn't connect with that didn't, that did not want to allow me and everyone in that organization to really, truly step into the role that lights them up and helps them thrive. And actually, it's funny that now as I'm talking about this, I can really see what a driver that's been for me because that's ultimately like what we do at Project Evo is we help people find that alignment to identify what it takes for them to truly thrive and feel fulfilled in the workplace and in their lives. Because for me, that just was gone. It was completely extinguished. I, I lost all I I mean, I I pretty much fell into like a a light depression during that time. It was a short stint, but I would say it was about two to three months where I just, your work is such a massive component of your life. And when you spend 10 hours a day hating what you do, which like so many people uh, currently do, uh, 86% of the workforce, according to Gallup, is disconnected. From what they do. They're disconnected from the workplace. And generally people leave their jobs because they, they quit their boss. And this is something I've I've learned also as a leader is people don't leave their job, they leave you. Mm, I agree. <laughs> and, and and it's like I, I just it was completely extinguished, man. And, and it left me with no choice but to say, how do I figure this out for myself so that this doesn't ever happen again? And how do I create something? Of value to others that can allow them to circumvent or at least shortcut this painful process that I had to go through so that other people don't have to experience that. And they can just step right into that exact aligned place that they need to be, which is not an endpoint. I, I want people to understand that. Like, I'm not talking about identifying a dream job necessarily, or not even dream, Perfect role, and this is all that there is. It's constantly emergent. The process of finding fulfillment in your career, in your life, in general, is is an is an emerging process. But it's positioning yourself correctly and then being open to the growth that comes with that, and and that's what I just had to do for myself.
0: Yeah. So so what happened? What happened next when you went to Cuba, man? Like you said, you you found a sweet spot with copy. That's um that's how we connected. Uh, I, said to, <laughs> yeah, I said to Neil, yeah. I said to Neil Patel, I said, man, who who's the best copywriter you know? And he said, You gotta to speak to Aman. And then here we are. And uh we're doing a course. You do doing our doing a found a copy course and it's gonna be yeah. a beast. But I'm super excited. Uh, yeah, man. Like like tell me tell me about like like how'd you get into that, man? Like you were self taught.
1: Yeah, completely. So uh I've always had an affinity and an appreciation for great writing. Um, that was always there and just, just loved just reading great books and not even necessarily fiction. You know, it wasn't like this, you know, literature training or anything like that, but it was just an appreciation for the written word because I, I've just always felt that, that language is ultimately all we have. Like to, to be able to explain ideas, to be able to explain to people who you are. To be able to show the world what your company does and explain it in a way that actually makes sense to the other person's brain takes the precise use of words, whether they're spoken or written. And I found myself needing to learn copywriting because I was trying to sell my own stuff. One of the first things I ever did um, was create this email management course. I basically took an experience I had had. Um, In the workplace around email management and, you know, seeing how much people were just, you know, overwhelmed with their inboxes and was like, I can teach this and I have, you know, a a love for teaching. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to create, you know, my own course around this, this idea of managing your inbox and being more effective with your time. But it bombed when I first kind of opened it up into the world because I had no idea how to write the copy and position the marketing on the front end to be able to sell this thing. And so I just kind of had to roll my sleeves up and became interested in all things digital marketing. And when I when I become interested in something, I'm just like, uh, I'm crazy. I'll, I'll dive in all the way and build expertise really quickly, quicker than most people, at least. And so I began to just write and became pretty decent with copywriting for my own products. And then As a consultant, I started helping people with their digital marketing. And then I noticed that people really needed help with their copywriting, and I could make a lot of money doing it. And at that time, a lot of money to me, you know, it was more money than I was ever making. So I started to just get introduced and get referred to different people. I never really created a website for it. I really didn't do much other than like find find an initial client, get a great result, get referred to the next person. And I would pretty much just take on like two, three clients max at a time and just build their entire funnels and their entire sequences. And then next thing I know, it's funny you mentioned Neil, next thing I know one day I've, I don't remember like who all I had worked with up until that point, there were definitely a few big names, but I remember one of my buddies that I was working with and collaborating on a lot of projects called me at like seven in the morning or no, he texted me and he's like, Hey, do you have time to jump on a call with Neil Patel? (laughs) <laughs> and i was just like wiping the crust off my eyes man and i was rolling out of bed and i'm like oh my god holy shit neil patel i know that guy i read his blog all the time i pretty much actually i learned a lot from neil and QuickSprout and neilpatel.com i mean anyone who's read his blogs knows how amazing they are i've heard people call them the the bible of digital marketing I mean, everything you need is on these blogs and I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not ready right now. Uh, but as life sometimes shows you, uh, you don't get to choose when, you know, you just show up. At least you show up to the best of your ability, you give your hundred percent. And I was like, fuck, okay, I got to show up and uh, roll out of bed, <laughs> did did my thing, got myself in my state got on the call and, um, built just like, you know, had a great, you know, chat with Neil and was like, let's do this. And, um, actually one of the things I did, which was a little crazy, which I've done many, many times is pretty much within like a week of working with Neil. I told him that I wanted to meet with him, uh, at the time he was living in Vegas and, you know, I make it sound really casual, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be in Vegas and, you know, it'd be good to see you. And, um, I bought a flight and went out immediately, um, because the flesh to flesh in-person relationship building is 10 X anything you're ever going to have virtually. And from that moment on, we became homies. And, um, that has led to many other things. I mean, I've worked with Lewis Howes, I've worked with Jason Silva, Gerard Adams, uh, Timothy Sykes, Lori Harder. And these are all just people that are that are great friends now, and just sort of happen organically. But a lot of it, obviously, is is out of this uh, copywriting process and style that I developed, and which which we're gonna
0: which we're gonna <laughs> un- uncover in this course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting, man. Because yeah, like Neil Neil's worked with obviously a lot of copywriters, and he said, man, like um, he's like, man, you got to connect with Arman, Like his stuff always converts everyone. And uh, we're gonna break it down, like your 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 science into a, an art form, into a, yeah. So, like, did you really like study like hardcore direct response? Who who's your favorite? Um, I'm really curious. Like, like who who's, who's your go to? Gary it, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I actually um, almost intentionally avoided a, like a lot of deep dive into templated approaches or styles. Um, one of the reasons for that, although there are people like, don't get me wrong, there are people and there are places and resources that I've used. If I, if I had to say the one person or resource that for me was the most impactful, it'd be Andre Chaperone. Ah, yep. I don't know if you've heard of him. He has yep. a great, or he had, I, don't, I believe he still has this. It's called uh, Autoresponder Madness. Yeah, soap opera. Soap opera, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. And um, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed that, and it, and it helped my style a lot. But one of the reasons I, I stayed away from too much of any one person is because most teachers, most experts, most everything – Teaches from a very subjective point of view. And I really wanted to stay diligent about having as objective as a skill set and point of view as possible. That's the primary. The secondary is that in the world of copywriting and in the world of actually connecting with your audience and making it possible for them to even hear you throughout all the chaos and the noise on the internet, you have to have a really unique style. And voice. And I didn't want to lose, or rather have my voice be manipulated or changed as a result of one and any one resource or person. Um, and so I would take bits and pieces of things, but I'd almost try to ignore where it came from and just go, was that useful or not? Can I implement that in an objective way into my tool belt or not? more than anything it was developing the philosophy and the art to combine with the science that i knew to work but the science is changing all the time the approaches are changing all the time like today a headline that really works is before you x watch this and it's like that's going to go away in two weeks bro (laughs) people are going to get sick of that it's not going to work so the science is constantly shifting but if you have the proper foundation, no one can take that away from you.
0: Mm. So, you know, I I find that really fascinating that you didn't um, really go that deep on, on, I guess, uh, the uh, best practices that a lot of people um, go through. And, and like, uh, one thing I've heard when it comes to to getting better at copy is, is to read like some of the great uh, rewrites in your own handwriting, some of the greatest sales letters um, like, do you, what are your thoughts on that process? And
1: yeah, yeah. They, a lot of people say like, you know, you essentially want to not only read it, but then yeah, rewrite it to understand the flow and their use of language. Um, I've definitely done that. I think I did that definitely in the early stages. And I think that it's useful. Um, what I found to be more useful was first just getting an understanding of, what are my initial like tools in my toolkit kit um, in terms of like, what? how do I even distinguish copywriting from normal writing? And then how do I really distinguish when I'm writing for a brand to explain something versus direct response copywriting where I am pushing hard to get a conversion. And once you just kind of understand these initial pieces, like I, actually at one point I'd been doing some like copyright and coaching too. And one of the things I would have people do was just to free write around their product or service. And if they didn't have one, I would say, all right, I want you to just give me like 25 headlines that would go on this page or I want you to at least just write, let's say like one of my guys, I remember had an e-commerce product on Amazon. I'd be like, take these five bullet points that are on the Amazon description, and I want you to write them like 10 different ways. So it was more around getting people comfortable with writing in their own words and correcting sort of like some of the structure, but I didn't want them to fall too deeply into just learning how to write like me or any other practitioner, you know what I mean? i think people fall down that rabbit hole and you can tell right away as a copywriter or marketer when you're reading something that's really similar to someone else and while the audience might not know that what they do know subconsciously is that they've seen it before they've felt it before what people actually get excited about is when the voice is unique when it's a voice that they haven't connected with before like we talk about authenticity what, what is authenticity? It's ultimately actually having a unique voice that is from your true core nature that people have not heard before that properly explains your product or service or who you are, if you're like, say, an influencer.
0: Mm. So like, you know, you've done like uh, many like seven figure launches and done some like your copy uh, has, has has converted really like well and 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 stuff like that um if you if you were to write like copy for perhaps a client or an influencer how do you how do you maintain their voice but making sure that it converts if it yeah, yeah. you know what i mean is that yeah
1: yeah 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 no that's a great question that's a really great question so like for example um when we're talking about say Lewis House my voice, my actual natural voice, is very different from Lewis's voice. There are some commonalities between us, but ultimately, like if what we put up for Lewis's sales video um, doesn't match his tone, it's not going to work. Like Someone like Lewis is going to be like, eh, this doesn't fit with the School of Greatness brand. This doesn't fit with my voice. So a lot of what you have to do as a copywriter is really dive deep into the research. And I spend my 80-20, you know, the Pareto principle, my 80-20 to the copywriting process is actually uh, diving deep into understanding who that brand or product or service is and what they, what they think their voice is, what they think their voice is. And most of the time, like from a copywriting perspective, if you're talking about working for you know someone else if you have a client that's the last thing they want to hear they they want to know that like what you're doing is just writing which i found hilarious so you know but really ultimately what creates the copy that neil goes holy shit this is really good this really converted is 80% research it's sitting in it and caring super deeply about every little nuance and diving into the details so much of the product and his lessons and his ideas and the way he explains something that by the time it's ready to put you know your fingers on the keyboard it just flows out of you because you know it so well you know everything so well that all you then have to do is take sort of the the science of your current understanding of what is currently working well what are some things that you know are going to convert but more even more deeply is who is this product or service from a very deep nuanced level and who is their customer or target audience from a very deep nuanced level and then drawing that bridge between the two, helping the target customer connect with the brand um,
0: or product or service. Mm. So so do you think that copywriting is a skill that every founder and entrepreneur should know? It's a good question. I think that it's
1: similar to saying is software development a skill that every founder should know but i think that and and the answer to that would generally be to a certain degree yes because you have to understand i, I at least in my opinion i think that in order to effectively either do it obviously do it yourself you need to you need to develop, you need to to be adept, you need to develop true skill. But to even be able to hire someone of quality, you need to know what quality looks like. But something as technical as software development, a lot of times, a lot of founders are not going to take the time to go deep and get even a core competency in that. But because copywriting is not nearly as technical or difficult, and the learning curve is not nearly as difficult, and it doesn't take you know a boot camp of 6 months to be able to just write in basic language i say yes why not unless you have an insane amount of pain toward copywriting or writing in general um and and it just like literally is brings out pain in you and is something that you should absolutely not be doing i say why not why not learn to a basic degree because no And I say this as a former, you know, like someone that you could hire for copywriting. I, I, no one hires me anymore. I don't do that anymore for people other than my own brand. But so I say this with like some, it's kind of funny to say this, but no one, no copywriter is ever, ever, ever going to care or be able to write copy as well as you can. If you just learn the core basic competencies of copywriting, like ever. And I think Nathan, the only thing that actually not the only thing, the thing that really distinguished me and people like Neil Patel go, yeah, Arbonne, I want to work with you,
0: is that I gave a shit, like really
1: deeply gave a shit.
0: Yeah, no, I love that, man. And I think it's interesting how you talk about going deep. Um, just from my own experience, uh, I've found with, with, with the content or the products and things that we produce at founder, the person that's quite close to the project and really understands the market and what that product offers and, and the customer avatar really goes deep on that side of things. When you can get that side of things dialed in, uh, that's when um, things really, really start to come together. Like we've seen that uh, quite a few times because we're getting pretty decent at this stuff now that, yeah, it, it, it appears to be the case that like, if, you, if you're going to develop a product or a service, you've really got to do your research. You've really got to validate that. You've really got to work out your custom avatar. You've really got to understand the battlefield, the market, the landscape. You've really got to get your message dialed in, your hook, your big idea, and really, really understand um, you know, that person's pains in that market, that person's gains, what they want to achieve. And um, yeah, it, it is a bit of work, but Man, it can pay its weight in gold if you really do that recon properly.
1: I mean, it's, I think it's everything. Um, and maybe I'm biased, but this bias of mine is so strong, though. It's like, or this, this experience of mine is so strong that I've seen so many companies and worked with so many companies that had incredible, genius products and services, man, but they could not sell and convert anybody. And ultimately it came down to that they could not clearly articulate at all who they were, what they were even trying to sell you. What does that journey look like to me as a prospect? And these were generally the the companies that I would say, uh, pass on for one reason or another. We couldn't come to terms say on a deal or whatever, but I would generally see that how badly they, they needed me, (laughs) you know, Like they could not articulate it at all. That's what copywriting is ultimately. And they just, they think that they, their product, I mean, you've heard this, I'm sure people listening to this have heard this is like so many founders think that their product or service is for everybody, or they won't at least accept that they need to refine their messaging to be more specific that yes, your cool little quantified self tracking machine is for humanity but humanity is not a target audience man <laughs> like you have to get really specific at least to start and build these concentric circles of audiences so that you know who you're ultimately working with like I'll give an example of like my own thing you know with Project Evo yeah i mean we want this thing to truly positively like our, our ambitions are massive for this And it comes from a deep, deep mission of knowing that people need this and there's a lot of pain and that we are creating a framework and a system and a platform to help people solve that pain and and really give them a roadmap to thriving. But we know that if we were to just go out and talk about the mission and, you know, uh, the Evo planner or our assessments or any of the tools that we're building to be for everybody, it's never going to resonate. It's never going to cut through the noise So that's why it's all context of the situation, depending on who I'm talking to. It's like we help entrepreneurs find their flow. And when we're talking about, you know, anything in the realm of focus or productivity or anything like that, it's really important to distinguish our markets. Like for us, we know that currently, at least on our core primary product, the Evo planner and the Evo app, there are, there's one core audience and a second, uh, it's kind of almost 50, 50 between these two audiences. And we sort of are in a situation where we're really serving them both. But the one that was most organic is entrepreneurs and what I call like self-development junkies uh, that are committed to their growth and are looking for a tool that is personalized and made for them. And they're tired of stuff that's cookie cutter and subjective opinions about what works and how to be productive. And we instantly cut through the noise because we're like, look, we understand how difficult it is to focus. We've been there. Myself, my business partner, Chad and I have been there. We know like how difficult it can be to even just plan your day. What do I do? GTD, this productivity thing, the one thing, that thing, like it, this planner, that planner. Well, What if there was something that was actually personalized to you? What if I'm telling you that I don't even have the answer, but what I have is an initial starting point for you to at least begin your journey of self-discovery and finding out what it is you do need to do to be more effective and to find your daily flow. And then to make it a little bit better every single day. Like, that's really all we're talking about here is a beginning starting point and making it a little bit better every day, not an end all be all panacea, you know, answer.
0: Yeah, man. And, um, this is, this is amazing. Like this is a good segue into project Evo and, and how did all that come about, man? So obviously, um, you, you, you've taken a, a massive step back on, on any consulting copy and, and you're going all in on, on project Evo. So how did that all come about? and, and, have have you if you've worked on other you've worked on many projects i know and and you've mentioned this to me like um before project Evo, were you working on any other companies or like what else have you had going on i'm curious
1: yeah i mean uh, so i built my sort of consulting practice i built um my blog up i i got to a place where i was in a really good place with passive income and with active income and i you know i was just sort of living my freedom you know like really in a good place where I was really comfortable, really happy with the people in my network and everything I was doing. The opportunities were just sort of really abundant, uh, but had never built what I call, I still had very much that solopreneur like freedom, even though I had a team of contractors and you know, small business. And I still very much had a, a business, but I had a lot of freedom. Like I wasn't building a company culture and, you know, doing team offsites and things like that. Like I am now. now. I've, we've really built uh, an incredible company and the beginnings of what I know are going to be something that is going to create an incredible, incredible impact. And I know this with such a deep, deep certainty not from a place of, you know, like, oh, I'm so ambitious and I just have to, and I have to make this much money or I, I have to have this for my ego because it's going to look good or feel good. But from a place where I know I have for one reason or another, in a way that life just happens for you, stumbled across an opportunity that has asked me to show up fully to make it a reality in this world. I mean, like it—it it, it is truly like a deep, deep calling and mission, what I'm doing. And the way it came about was one one of my friends, uh, one, one of these people that I'd worked with through the years, Chad Moretta, um, who's now my business partner with project evo i met about i don't know five six years ago actually i'd met no longer i met him when i was still when i just left google yeah and we had just become friends and have been friends for a long time and became best friends and traveled the world together went to the world cup oh, wow. you know did all kinds of stuff together and um we were actually working on a book And the way Project Evo and this whole company came about was one of the things that I really um, wanted to do from both a personal dream perspective and it, it comes from the same root of this exact same mission was to create a resource for people that at that time was in the form of a book that helped people accomplish exactly what we're talking about, which is who am I and what do I do best? And actually giving people a tool and a resource and a framework for identifying all of that especially you know like in the workplace like who am i what is my craft well, how do i like this this because the number one question i would get through all these years of writing on my blog was you know armand like i love this stuff i love everything you're doing and like all this talk about finding your passion finding your purpose like How the hell do I actually do that? Like, is it really just by asking myself these three questions and or is it really by just trying a bunch of shit or is it really by just like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm good at. And I thought it was so fascinating that people would keep telling me they don't know who they are. What what does that mean? Like, what does that mean when a human being says, I don't know who I am? I think there's something really deeply profound going on there. And I think that a lot of the crisis that we see around the world right now with a lot of the depression and anxiety is actually related to this exact same point. And a lot of the reason we see so much unfulfillment in the workplace is this exact same point. People just coasting around through life because they've never had an opportunity to stop and identify these very foundational things about themselves and so what i wanted to do was build this this go and do this whole traditionally published book with chad and i presented this idea actually at a mastermind and at the mastermind i was like i have this big dream i have this big vision of doing this traditionally published book i want to go to like a random house or simon and schuster and do this book and and then chad was like i remember him going like why don't we do this together i've been a published author i wrote a, a traditionally published book already he had written a book called app empire this is amazing. I have a deep why around this too. Let's do it together. So we started this crazy journey of this whole book proposal process and getting this agent, this incredible agent who's, who's been an agent for many other big names. And we began this journey and we eventually hit a wall with the editor because we just never landed on the proposal the way we liked it. And we kept going back and we kept rewriting and rewriting. And eventually we found ourselves at a summit series uh, which many of the people listening here probably are familiar with is a group. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they had, they had an event called summit at sea mm-hmm. that Chad and I went to and our whole plan was to just like meet up and discuss like what's next. And, um, we pay like, you know, four or 5k to go there and literally for the first two days, just sit in the cabin of the boat discussing ideas. And really Chad had this ulterior motive and plan the whole time to get me there and talk about what he saw as potentially a different direction for everything that we were doing around the book and the ideas. And that was really the root of the Evo planner and not this book, but taking our assessment and taking our tools around cognitive psychology And plugging that into a planning system, combining the physical and the digital and making that really the starting point of something much bigger and building a company. And uh, and because ultimately it it was really a beautiful moment because what ultimately allowed me to say, hell yes, was just seeing the place that he was coming from and what a deep why he had around it. And how I knew it was so in line with everything that I was trying to do and what we were trying to do together, that it was just a no brainer to be like, wow, okay, I guess we're going to go build this company. And of course, I come in with my very different thinking. We, we really balance each other well. And I come in with my different thinking around, you know, how do we really turn this into a massive company? And how do we really go into this world of shifting the conversation around fulfillment in the workplace and building these tools and products and services that, That actually give people uh, a roadmap and a framework for identifying ultimately two things, like I've said, who they are from a pure personality and psychology perspective and what they do best behaviorally in your life, which changes throughout the years. And if we can identify those things for people, we can build a company around personalized products and services that help them show up and do more and more and more of that.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. And, and, uh, one thing that you guys have done is you've done a, a crowdfunding campaign And and was what, why, why did you do that? Was the purpose to, 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 validate the, the hypothesis or, or had you already validated it? Why, why did you choose that route out of curiosity?
1: yeah by the time we we actually had like already validated the product. we'd already validated our brain type assessment. By the time we launched on Kickstarter, we had had seventy three thousand people take the assessment, and we'd been getting feedback for so long. I mean, this process has been I think it, it it was a year. um like three years of the research around the assessment because it was going into the book, but all we did was pivot it, right, and turn it into this physical format of the planner. And the app. And so we'd done so much research already around the market. We knew exactly the language from a copywriting perspective. We knew exactly what we needed. And we were eating our own dog food. Like we knew this. We were, we've were we been building this system for ourselves mm. since day one. And that's where like, it's at. I, I don't know how to show up without this tool, man. Like I don't know how to show up without Evo. I would be lost without it. That's why it's such a drive. Because I need it so desperately and I've talked to so many people that I know need it so desperately that we have no choice. And so by the time we launched on Kickstarter, it was really ultimately around – I think our primary driver was sort of being able to have this this big pop and this big foray into the market. Because like especially with the product that we were creating, you know, a physical planner and an app and this type of thing, like it is not the first planner – But we knew that we would be able to capture people's attention because we were pioneering something so different. It is the world's first personalized planner. It is the world's first flow system. And with the eyeballs and the community that you're able to build out of crowdfunding, we knew that would give us like the big initial jump that we wanted to be able to really scale at mass while still being careful of not about not scaling too quickly, because it's funny, like you see a lot of these crowdfunding campaigns go to shit because they raise too much money. They can't fulfill their product orders and then the inventory game, man, holy like inventory is a crazy beast. And any e-commerce entrepreneur uh, knows that the inventory game is crazy and staying ahead and being capital efficient, um, is difficult, but we really wanted to create that story. So we did this whole Kickstarter, uh, we raised three hundred sixty something thousand there, and then we did an Indiegogo, which our Indiegogo, as of the time we're talking, is still open. Um, it's in the high six hundreds right now, six hundred eighty something thousand, and so it's been incredible, man. It's really been incredible.
0: Yeah, wow, amazing, man. And like, I, I, I can really hear and feel your vision, and I'm, I'm so excited to get an Evo, Evo planner for for myself and our team, and we're doing something special. Uh, around there, which, uh, yeah, you guys can hear about soon. But, um, I'm curious around like what's next because I agree, like, um, to be honest, we were looking at, I was thinking about doing a planner for founder, like a, a like literally a planner for founders. And I scrapped that whole idea purely because of focus, purely because of vision, purely because it just didn't really line up, um, uh, with, with everything that we're doing. But, um, yeah. I'm curious, like what, what is next? Uh, you said that you guys plan to, to produce not just a planner and you've got the assessment app, which I think is genius, which I've been through, but like around the tools, what, what is next? And, and once you go live, like when, when can, what, what's going to happen next?
1: Yeah, so we are ultimately just really beginning this journey of uh, of getting the actual system into people's hands, so step one right now, like what we're actually getting, we're in the middle of right now is uh, shipping out the planners and launching the app in the app store. Um, so once that app is out, ultimately that's really 50% of the system. So people are able to, document and scan their results from their planner into the app and the app becomes this place that ultimately is going to have all your information on how you're performing so that you can see what's working and what's not for you on a daily basis. And like I said, this is all based around who you are, your brain type, whether you're an Oracle, an alchemist, an explorer or an architect like me, that's my brain type. You know, the whole system is designed for you. And you're able to track that data in the app so the big thing we have coming up right now is the app launch and so chad being mr app empire (laughs) and having launched many apps and you know doing these these various things through the years um we're going to do a big launch on this app and really build that up and and ultimately our focus right now is to just really show up and over deliver for these customers so we've been in a mode of marketing and now it's time to be in a mode of product and really deliver on that and once we deliver on that, we kind of are going to go back into the the product drawing board. And the, we're doing like a couple of other tools as well, like add-on products. We've got this thing called Evo Go, which is a sort of on-the-go version of the daily planner. But the big, big thing that I'm really most excited about that's next is, so we have this uh, brain type assessment that is free. Anybody can take that online. At this point, we've had... Uh, I want to say like 110,000 people take our brain type assessment Ooh, Wow! and, um, yeah, and it's free. It's accessible to anybody and we can, we can kind of share a link to that, uh, if you want in the, in the notes or wherever, but it's, of you'll course. find it on our website, projectevo.org. Um, you'll see the brain type assessment right at the top and we are launching now and working on right now, um, an advanced version of that brain type assessment that will be a paid assessment that goes much 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 deeper into these components of the psychology around who you are and what you do best when you take our current bta brain type assessment we really designed it to be simple but in, as enlightening as possible and people walk out of that with an identity they're able to put language to things around their brain and who they are that they've never been able to before i mean i mean it's. Dude, the stories that we see, the things that people say just from the free tool, just from the brain type assessment is life changing for people. It's incredible. Like people that have not even uh, outside of even the entrepreneurship world, people that haven't been able to connect with a family member that have had difficulties communicating with their mother, finally understand the construct, the mental construct of how their mother sees the world and why there's friction in the relationship. It's wild because when you're able to put language to the model of someone else's world that creates instant empathy. You finally are able to see and put language to because what is language? Language creates the reality. Without the language, you don't understand. It's all just abstract. So it creates a reality and understanding, a concrete understanding around who that person is. And so that's just, and, and just from our free tool, people have had this incredible insight. They changed their days. They know how to show up better. They know how to get into flow on a daily basis. Now this deeper assessment, which, um, I, I, I won't go too deep into because, you know, we're still kind of like, I want to make sure I don't promise anything that we're not doing, but <laughs> we we're essentially, you know, it's a deeper advanced version of this that we are going to target toward not just individuals, which is still great, um, but also companies. And we're really, um, looking to, to go as, as wide and big eventually as what like StrengthsFinder has done. Um, StrengthsFinder 2.0, that book, which I believe they renamed, recently to like Clifton strengths or something, um, or like a disc or like any of those assessments and tools that's being used in the workplace. And so we're going to go much further, deeper into the brain type. We're going to go into their compass, which is around their decision-making, learning and communication styles. Um, and then what we call the crafts, which everyone has uh, three top crafts around what they do best and the role that they should be playing in the workplace. So I'm I'm super super excited about that.
0: Yeah, man! Wow, this is incredible, dude. Um, like I, I you know we, we've connected before, and you've told me about the vision fever, but not to that extent. And I'm I'm so pumped to get our team to go through it and get these planners and and get everyone to do the assessments, and uh, and really see how we can all jam together. Uh, I think that's really key because I've been getting a lot into that disc profiling stuff. I haven't gotten into the strengths finder stuff. But um, yeah, man, it's incredible. So, um, talk to me around, like, I guess uh, you've got you've got Evo going on. What what is your what what does your day look like right now? Because um, you know, you're you're a CEO. Like, you know, you like uh, people always find this interesting. Like, what 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 tools are you guys using to, like, are you guys just local or are you remote and local, a bit of a hybrid? Mix. Um. Are you all in San Diego? Like, yeah. You talk to me around like that and how your day looks.
1: Yeah, our structure has been. It's pretty interesting. It's kind of a hybrid. Most of us are in San Diego. Uh, we've got a couple people in Portland, uh, one in Denver, but most of us are in San Diego. And then we also will, you know, work with contractors and, um, you know, hire out for different specific roles. We work with a few different agencies, but our core team of eight. Is kind of like a hybrid and remote Um, most days I'm in the office, uh, downtown San Diego, Uh, a couple days or one to two days out of the week. I like to work from home. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I really, it's actually funny. You you talk about like, are we more remote or or in person? I'm kind of at a a point right now where I'm really trying to decide, you know, what, what is, what is the, (laughs) what is the best path forward? Because the future is, is definitely around remote working. Um, but I just don't think that the power of being in the flesh will ever be replaced. I mean, let me take that back. Maybe not ever because I'm, I'm down to jump into the VR rabbit hole and like <laughs> what's possible. And I'm very, uh, we've already done this a little bit before and I'm very philosophical around these things and like what, what, you know, in terms of futurism, what's possible. But I really think that the, the in-person magic that happens the water cooler talk the ability to just be able to on the fly connect on something and make something happen is very difficult to replace so i'd like to maintain both as much as possible and i love my freedom you know i love being able to work dynamically some days from home i love being able to travel and work but i'm also building a company and like you said i'm a ceo i have to be there i have to be i have to show up and presence is you know shows up in a lot of different ways so Um, I try to, to really, you know, right now we really want to build this, this culture in this office, uh, around both being in San Diego, but also, you know, a couple of our most important team members are in Portland. So it's important that I make them continue to feel very much a part of the team. Um, and, and they are, and we just finished up a a week long immersion last week where they were here all week. Everyone was here for the full week. (laughs) We did these crazy 12 hour days where we were just evoing, man. We were in our flow and working long days and doing an activity at the end of the day. And and, and it was incredible. So I really saw the value of the immersions. So we've committed to doing that at least once a quarter um, where we're gonna have everybody here in San Diego. But as far as the tools, I mean, yeah, I don't think we could live without Zoom. Um, Myself and uh, my co-founder are both, uh, we we communicate primarily uh, verbally. Like that, that's just how we we communicate, and we know that because of our learning and communication style quiz. And so we really need to be able to capture voice notes and voice memos. We use a a kind of it's not a great app, but it's called Voxer. Ah um, yes, Voxer. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a walkie-talkie app. Mm. And it's a little it's a little glitchy and all that, but it gets the job done. Um, and it allows us to be able to like stay on the go and be able to capture as we're going. Um, we also use a lot of the main tools like Slack, Asana is our main, like project management dashboard. And that's what kind of keeps us all together, um, and, and consistent, but we're, we're still very much like learning around how to be as effective as possible, um, with, with everything that we're doing. But I think that the key has been that we just really stay on top of it. Like if any ball is dropped, we stop and we figure it out. Like I have like a very strict, like, you know, like we cannot, allow the ball to drop. And if we do, we have to find out what that inefficiency is and set people up in a way to win. Like if I notice that someone on my team is not winning, like I don't ignore it. There's no, that's funny. If she ever listens to this, one of the advisors of our company, (laughs) there's no lying, faking and hiding Mm. with us. And I've really learned that from her. Her name is Kim Harrison. Um, she's the CEO of start with why and, um, Simon Sinek's organization and her ability to bring that into our culture. And I've learned so much from her around this is like really leaning into the difficult conversations. I have no, well, I can't say I have no fear. I've begun to learn to build the muscle of having no fear about leaning in and having these difficult conversations. Cause when you allow these things to just sit, I mean, you're asking for a death sentence. It's going to ruin the company. It, it hurts that person. And when you don't put your employees before the customer, you're screwed. Uh, I've, I've really learned that it's employees first all the way.
0: Mm. yeah I, I like what you said around having these difficult conversations as well like one of the one of the things I learned from that book um, Hard things about hard things which actually uh, uh, read in Bali um, when we we're talking about that trip uh, was was around courage. you know the greatest CEOs have to have courage they have tremendous amounts of courage so when it, whenever you feel like you know that fear or you just gotta do it, man.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of like when you're nervous, you just got to reprogram yourself to feel excited. It's the same feeling. It's the same. It's the same exact biological like mechanisms. And like you said, even like with fear, uh, maybe that's really just an indicator that this is the thing that you must be doing. And that also reminds me of like Stephen Pressfield, you know, around doing the work and the art of war. Ultimately, like wherever you feel resistance or fear is where you actually have to really show up and knock through it and push through it. Um, I, I always think of fear that way as well. I'm like, it's an indicator. It's an indicator of the thing that I should probably lean into. Mm, yeah. No. where I'll get some sort of result, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. And And usually I think that's where the magic happens. Definitely. Yeah. Most people aren't willing to have crucial
1: conversations. I got to a point where I would joke around with my, with my business partner and go like, how many crucial conversations are we going to have today? Let's just fucking eat them up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like let's just eat up these crucial conversations instead of like, Oh, I got to talk to that agency and they suck. And I got to tell them that they suck and that we got to fire them. And you know what? And they, I need this standard. And it's like, no, like we have standards and this is what we stand for. And if I speak from a place of truth, and love and honesty, it will be received. It will be received. And every single time I've done it, people walk away thanking me. And I've seen other people do it to me. And I thank them for showing up and being authentic and being real. But no one wants the bullshit, man. No one wants the bullshit, but the bullshit's easier. That's why people do it. It's easier, or at least it's perceived to be easier because it's a short-term solution. But if you're playing the long game, Every time you avoid confrontation or a crucial conversation or you don't have the courage, as you said, you will regret it. You will pay the
0: price later in the future. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, look, man, we have to work towards uh, wrapping up. Uh, Incredible conversation, dude. Uh, I could keep talking to you for a long time, man, but we've got to work towards wrapping up. Um, So where's the best place people can find out more about yourself, your work, and uh, get a copy of, uh, the Evo planner and, uh, get plugged into the system and really understand themselves better. I I would really
1: say to anybody listening to this, take, take the time to really sit down and just begin that process around those two core things, you know, who you are from a psychology perspective and what you do best from a behavior perspective. You can take our brain type assessment. That's probably the best place to start project Evo.org forward slash BTA. Um, ProjectEvo.org will link you to the actual Evo planner and the Evo app. Um, would love to see people jump in there. Um, and, and please like, let me know directly what you think. Best place to reach me is uh, going to be Instagram. I'm really going to like actually focus on this and, and make that a thing to like commit to social media and really be active on Instagram. So I'm just at at Armonasadi. Uh, so Instagram is the best place for that. And then my website is armonasadi.com. Awesome.
0: Well, look, uh, thank you so much for your time today, Amar. It's been an absolute pleasure, my man. And uh, yeah, look forward to uh, uh, connecting with you further and, and hanging out. We've got to meet in person. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this course we're launching. It's going to be amazing. It's going to help so many founders. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. It was an awesome time.
0: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview.